We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buckle up, because Metro is bringing you the best deal in wireless. Switch to Metro and get your choice of two awesome free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens and tons of memory for all your pics and videos. So hurry into Metro and get your awesome free phones only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires port and of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 161, a missile opinion brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, and I am joined today by Mike Miller. Today we are talking the news about El Clasico and how the club is handling the situation there, future stars Ansu Fadi and Pedri, transfer rumors about Fabian Ruiz and Danielle Mullen, and a preview of tomorrow's YouTube video, which might be my favorite one yet. But before that, Mike, I got to give you a second to revel in Canada's 2 nothing win over the United States last night. Uh, I would love the international break to be over, usually, and I'm going to double down on that now. Thank you very much again for having me, Dan. And yes, bragging rights belong to the north side of the border today. And uh, it was quite a match, and I'm very happy with uh, the full 90 minutes as well as the result. It's the first since 1985, and yeah. we might see Canada qualifying to the World Cup for the first time since 1986. Can you imagine that? Yeah, and you know, in the U.S. Mexico rivalry is quite heated. But as what keeps going on, if you don't beat a team in 34 years, it's hard to call it a rivalry. And I think a lot of people would like to see Canada make the World Cup. Unfortunately, I'd be frustrated not only if it came at the expense of the U.S., but if it's because the U.S. lost and that winds up being Canada's gateway in. The other thing, again, that I always mention is that this isn't a U.S. men's national team or Ken, Canadian national team podcast. We're going to get that in a second. But the the last thing I, I will say is that this Canada team is as far as the attacking talent is the most talented that i've seen in 
you know, quite some time between Alfonso Davies, who is a superstar in the making of Bayern Munich, got to start in MLS, but then as well, even uh, the kid who plays in Belgium, Jonathan David, uh, he might be 19, but, you know, I, I think he's a quality player and has a very, very bright future uh, in front of him as well. But we're not here, Mike. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to cut off the victory party for Canada. Um, yeah, good luck to them the rest of the way. But that said, the return match, uh, I'm going to say hopefully the USA takes that one home. But I think we do have to change tone a little bit here from from your party to the biggest news and the worst news, I think, of the show here. I want to start by saying, regardless of our stance on on the political aspect of this, we're going to get negative backlash. I understand that. Um, and I think that's the way it, it works. So instead of giving my personal opinion, I'm simply going to try to state this stance of the club, and then people can obviously react the way as they do. So early in the week, uh, most of us understand what's going on here. The leaders who played a part in the Catalan referendum back in 2017 were given prison sentences. The club came out and disagreed with the prison sentences, saying instead that dialogue is the best way forward. Uh, And I think that this can be seen as the club's best attempt to support the Catalan people, which I do think is the duty of FC Barcelona, as it always has been, without the club giving a definite answer on independence. Uh, This is obviously an attempt to try to keep politics and sports separate by the club. But as we're watching with the NBA in China at the moment, I think it's now basically impossible in today's day and age to do that, Mike. Uh, And now that's spilling over into uh, FC Barcelona and the club's day-to-day, what's going to be happening with the travel to Ibar, uh, and potentially the biggest issue being uh, El Clasico. Well, like you said, uh, I agree with you you about one thing. Politics is not a topic that I that I like discussing, but when it comes to how this situation is going to affect the competition itself, I really, really hope that it's not going to have any impact on the scheduled matches, uh, A-Bar this Saturday, as well as the classical next week. And it would be unfortunate to an extreme point if it did, because at the end of the day, politics are one thing and sports are another thing which is supposed to be completely separate and that's that's the way we enjoy it we enjoy sports to be a transcending thing that 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 actually flies beyond everything else that happens be it politics or anything else and you know no matter what these people are going through back in back in catalonia back in spain the, the the ideal thing would be for fc barcelona and real madrid to be able to meet up next week at camp now as as, uh, as scheduled yeah and i don't mean to play devil's advocate but when you look at some of the clubs in in world football and you know with you and i both in north america uh there is a slant on this when it comes to north america because a lot of the times as i mentioned in the past whether it's the nfl or major league baseball or mls everybody else is uh everyone is kind of on the same team because it, a lot of those Organizations are single entity, meaning they're all those teams individually are owned by the leagues, and each team has its own ownership group. But when it comes to you know soccer and world football in particular, uh, things can be very different. So a team like Saint Pauli, who I brought up before in the past in the second division in in Germany, they are uh, politics is is in their bread and butter. It's in their brand. It's what has actually attracted people around the world to them who would never care about a random team in the second division in in Germany. In the same way that. The divides between Lazio and Roma are things that those the, the, the reasonings between that divide 
would never occur in North American sports. And so uh, where I, I think you and I can both kind of almost plead the fifth on this and, and plead innocence is that, you know, I don't think I have a full understanding, having never, never, never lived in Europe or, or Asia or, or Africa, that I don't really have a full understanding of the ways that politics play in, in European sports uh, or, or Asian sports in a way that it just doesn't have it's just not the case in, in North America here. Uh, and, and so to that point, FC Barcelona, who, you know, you look back at so much of their history when they were just in Barcelona before the, the age of television uh, and before uh, yes, they existed before the, the age of radio as well, uh, going all the way back then. But they had always been this bastion of Catalonia and this bastion of the Catalan people. So there always seems to be an undertone of a social responsibility. And this is the criticism that the club got from the other side was that they didn't do enough. They didn't say enough to in support of of um, not just Catalan independence, but those who are protesting for just the prison sentence. So again, these are difficult things. And for a global club like Barcelona to try to navigate, I think the lukewarm stance that they took was basically the best that they could do to play all sides. At the risk of sounding like uh, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to make comments without being properly informed of the situation. Obviously, it's an obvious dig at LeBron James, but I, I, I don't know the situation completely in Catalonia. But my understanding is that FC Barcelona has never taken a stance for or against Catal- uh, Catalan Correct. independence. Right. Obviously, we yep. know the personal stance of a lot of. It's board members, but that doesn't engage the club in any way, shape, or form. That being said, the the way that things are happening over there, and unfortunately it seems to be a volatile situation, but we can only hope that this volatile situation will be diffused uh, soon enough so that we can have the classical that we've all been waiting for. Yeah, and right, that's the undertone too, that El Clasico, no matter what, El Clasico will be politically charged and there will be an extra bit of energy for all those who were worried that once Cristiano Ronaldo made his way to Juventus that there wasn't going to still be something in El Clasico. Uh, this El Clasico, I can't imagine if Ronaldo was still around. That's the kind of the tenor that this is going to have. It's just going to be something regardless of where it takes place. I think it's going to stay in Barcelona. I think things, the calmer heads in the same way that back in 2017, and yes, there was that the, the, the empty stadium game that, that Barcelona played in that week. But I think if that winds up being what happens again, people will, I think no one will be happy about that, uh, especially for El Clasico. I don't know how that occurs. Um, but yeah, I think that this will get cooled down uh, and cooler heads will prevail and that match will occur. Um, but in the same regard, uh, the, the counter argument is, is that it won't, and that this is that winds up being the platform. El Clasico winds up being the platform uh, for the world. The world is paying attention. That is, it's it's the biggest, maybe the biggest sporting event in the world, El Clasico, and that you have the attention of the whole world. All the eyes are on El Clasico, and that is the, the stage is set for a message to be sent. So I, I think both of those things are completely plausible and possible. And I think uh, you know, Mike, I'm getting, I'm going to get us off the hook and say I think there's just too much for. Anybody not to know. There's just too much for us not to know uh, going ahead for the next few weeks, and we'll keep monitoring it, and I bet this will be something that we talk about again as opposed to just all laughing. And I think almost everybody was just, I don't know how even Rakitic himself, I mean, walking on the side of the road, what what an image that kind of explains to you that uh, it's not always and not just about the club, but these millionaires and these professional athletes, they are not safe even from what's happening that's affecting everybody in Spain. You know, these millionaires who ride their private jets still have to, 
they, they, they still are inconvenienced in the same way that everybody else is at these airports. And it's, it's just something to, to, that makes you realize the gravity of the situation. For sure. And I'll say this about the classical, if I may. We're talking about a classical which could have had a, kind of a lukewarm feeling considering that FC Barcelona until very recently didn't have the best of, uh, of starts this season. And we can say the same about Real Madrid. So we're talking about pretty much two teams which are supposed to be on top of their league statistically but are not really all that they could be as of yet and now that we have that extra narrative obviously it's going to attract a lot of attention from uh from people who are not usually interested in in this sort of match but for the rest of us um all uh, all politics aside when you look at this match and what it means from a competitive standpoint the winner of that match will have a serious option uh, on La Liga as usual but not only that the winner of that match will be able to gain some momentum and get out of that funk that it had that it has been in since the beginning of the season what do you think yeah it's one versus two and I think I we have to remember that too that well depending on this weekend obviously uh that, that round of games but if if Barca and Real Madrid both take victory that yeah it's going to be one versus two uh, and that's going to be to see who takes hold of uh, the top of the Liga table at this moment in the season. A lot could change, but as we've been talking about, this is a La Liga that we haven't seen of late, and that's because all three of the Giants are struggling a bit, sure, but uh, also I think it just showed you how poor Real Madrid were last season and for many seasons in this decade that Barcelona were able to run away with so many Ligas in the way they did. But uh, we can continue to talk about that as the season goes on. It's going to be a tight race, uh, and one of the players that could help Barcelona in that, uh, Ansu Fati, was named to the Guardian's list of the best 60 young talents from all players born in 2002. Also on that list was Pedri from Las Palmas. And I think I was looking at the other list. They started doing this, I think, in 2015. I was looking back, and they're an interesting list to look at, Mike, in hindsight. But I think what sets Fati and Pedri apart already, uh, and people were wondering why they were on these lists, uh, and it is more of a future projection than it is about what they've done so far, because Fadi has only played a handful of first-team games, as has uh, Pedri, while other ones, other players on that list in smaller leagues uh, have played a few more games. Uh, but that said, and Fadi also named to the Golden Bo- uh, Boy, that was actually the real consternation, that Fadi wound up making the short list. Having not been on the 40, he winds up being on the 20, uh, having just played a few matches, where there are other guys who probably are much, much more deserving who were born uh, in 1999, uh, or rather 1990, yes, 1999 or younger. Uh, that is a qualification for that, and yet people were upset that Fadi was on the list. But I think if Fadi continues to play the way he uh, he has so far, it'll be a great inclusion. Uh, and, and that said, I think for that best 60 young talents I think you even put those two potentially in the top 10 from what we've seen from them so far uh, we're going to start with Pedri started all 10 games that he's played in so far for Pepe Mel and Las Palmas and what a rise from him uh, after being a surprise call up to the first team he's already got three goals and three assists this season in just 10 games and friend of the pod Robbie Dunn who's been on before with me he had a good piece on his new site I, uh, I Liga that I, I would say you should check out about the potential for Pedri to be uh, a Barcelona player and what he could potentially be in the future. Uh, and Robbie basically said he could be anything that we could imagine to be. That's how versatile and terrific he is offensively than Fadi. Uh, we also know that he's been a terrific talent. And Mike, you know, I haven't had you on since uh, Ansu Fadi broke on the scene. What are your early, how, how does his progression work out uh, in this in this calendar year? Well, obviously, um, Ansu Fadi was the recipient of uh, the songs and praises of pretty much every 
FC Barcelona supporter since the beginning of the season. But we have to remember the context in which he was able to to perform that well. There were a lot of injuries on the first team, which which is pretty much why he was able to jump not only from Barca B but from the juvenile A. Let's remember, he's a registered juvenile A player. He's not even a Barca B player, and because of all the injuries that the, the which were sustained by Lionel Messi and uh, Usman Dembele and Luis Suarez, he was able to crack the first team. And he doesn't seem to to he's not going to find his way back to the juvenile A or Barca B this season uh, because of the way that he's been able to perform now is he going to be able to get um, to get consistent minutes for the rest of the season at that level i personally don't think so i think that uh, griezmann suarez and, and messi should be our front three and dembele is going to get some decent minutes as well if he can manage to stay healthy um, but uh, obviously he has impressed the, if there is one thing, though, that might hurt him, it's the fact that the Copa del Rey this season under the new format will only start in February. And those are minutes that he would have gladly used. Now, considering that we only have La Liga and the, and the Champions League and that we haven't really we haven't qualified to the round of 16 yet, I can't imagine I cannot imagine that he's going to be a lock for uh, the remaining four matches of, uh, of the group stage. And uh, unless we see him against Abar this week, I would be very, very surprised to see him in the classical. Uh, does he deserve to be on the Golden Boy list? My personal opinion is that it's extremely early, especially uh, considering all the other names that are the, that are on that list. And we're talking about uh, a lot of players who are on their third, even fourth professional season. I mean, I see Donnarumma, who's been with AC Milan for, what, four years, five years now? Yeah. Uh, same goes for uh, John Felix, who who had uh, who had a, a few solid seasons with Benfica. I mean, uh, Mo- Moise Keane, so many so many seasoned veterans, Jordan, Jaden Sancho. Uh, and I don't think that Ensu Fadi can be mentioned in the same light as these other players as of yet. Obviously, he's showing a lot of potential, but let's give credit where credit is due. He is only at his very first senior season, and he's not a full-fledged member of the first team. Let's 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 give him enough time to, to, to find his way and become the player that he can become. But if we start throwing all these uh, honors and awards his way, it might hurt his development in the long run. So we look at that list for the Golden Boy, and Ansu Fadi, again, a reminder, is that of a lot of the names that you mentioned, he's he's three or four years younger than them. Uh, and that's the other big point about Fati and Pedri, that they're both just 16, and Fadi turns 17 uh, at the end of this month, Pedri turns uh, 17 the end at the uh, end of next month. And it is telling as well that Fadi, because uh, if reports are to be believed, that Valverde wanted to keep him around the club and not allow him to miss uh, what would have been three or four matches to go to the U-17 World Cup, which is where Pedri is going to be heading this month now, that Fadi then, for that reason, became nationalized for Spain and played with the U-21s in this last break. So that uh, Valverde apparently has fought for him to be a part of the squad now moving forward for the next few weeks to not allow him to go and basically probably be the best player at the U-17 World Cup just on resume and what he's able to do. But they, the club has found that that was too low a level for him, so they want to keep him there. Uh, in the same way, I do want to wrap this little segment up by talking about Pedri again. Um, that, to me, as exciting as Fadi has been, I've now gotten a chance to, the second I got a sniff of uh, about basically the second week of the season that 
there, there was something happening with Pedri and what this play was going to be like, I found a way to watch some Las Palmas. Uh, and as much as I've sitting through some of the rest of what uh, is happening in a team that is not so great in either the relegation zone in the Segunda Division, Pedri has been absolutely incredible for it's it is shocking just like Fati that this kid is 16 years old uh the ability he has to keep and possess the ball so the one thing I want to say too that the easy way to explain what Pedri is for those who haven't taken the time to see him he is regularly playing on the wing he is still small in stature but again he has a ability just like Puj to keep hold of the ball in a way that uh, much larger players would need to do. But in Barcelona's 4-3-3, uh, he could either play as an inverted winger like Iniesta did at times, or he could play as a central midfielder with an eye for the attack like Iniesta. Uh, though obviously, this is the point here that I'm not comparing him to Iniesta. And when we do compare a midfield player or a potential winger like Pedri, and when we have especially a young talent like this, obviously if they're in the midfield, they're going to for I don't know how long. I, it's, it's interesting for me to know how, what kind of cycle it's going to be before we stop comparing them to Xavi, Iniesta, and Busquets. But I think I, I tend to use those models as the molds for explaining what the role that a new Barcelona winger, I mean, midfielder would have, right? So it might be unfair to them, but I think it gets the point across in the same way that when Arthur came to the club, I, I watched him a few times for Gremio, and I go, okay, this is a Xavi-esque player this of that three, of the mold, right? What is the mold? Is it an Iniesta type at his best? If this kid winds up having the best career he could possibly have, we'd get an Iniesta. If this guy had the best career he could possibly have, he'd be Xavi or Busquets, right? So it really winds up being at the very best if, if, if our dreams came true and this player reached their absolute full potential and maybe more, they would be filling the role of one of those three midfielders, right? So Pedri, for those easily initiated, this is a what looks like to me a 16-year-old or 18-year-old, because Pedri is pretty advanced, an 18-year-old Andres Iniesta. Uh, and that gets me very, very excited for his future. Uh, and I think the way I'm going to, even though he's not a Barcelona now, the way I'm almost going to start talking about that generation is Fati and Pedri, because he's supposed to go to Barca B next year, that being Pedri. But of what I've seen so far, I think they're going to have another issue with him where he might not be getting minutes in the first team. I mean, where are you going to find more midfield minutes or minutes on the wing for, uh, at that time, what would be a 17 or 18-year-old? But I think he's going to be way too good for the, the uh, if Barcelona B can't get promoted, he's going to be way too good for the third division uh, even next year. So I think Barcelona's going to have a good problem to have. But unfortunately, what we've seen with teenagers, sometimes that good problem to have does get sour very quick when a player all of a sudden you blink and he's 22 years old and you kind of derail his career. But it's a, it's a hot and cold issue there, Mike. Do you, do you think that Barca could actually loan him back to Las Palmas next year if, uh, if like you said, they don't really have any plans for him on the first team, but you know Barca B remains in uh, in the Segunda B next season because there's also the possibility, and you know there's also a possibility that Las Palmas gets promoted to the to, to, to La Liga next year. We never know; it's still yeah. early. In yeah, the, it doesn't look likely, but it's possible, right? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, if they don't really have plans for him on the first team, loaning him back to Las Palmas could be a solution too, no? Yeah, I think it's possible. Uh, the one thing, though, that I, I would consider is that because the deal already being done with Las Palmas uh, and them having the them being invested 
in his in his future transfers as well, where it, it was five million and it could go up to twenty five million with all the uh, if everything goes right uh, for Las Palmas, and then again they get fifteen percent of any future sales of the player as well. They want him to succeed the best they can, and the best for their even future investment might not be coming back to Las Palmas. As as just that's just from a purely business. That has nothing to do with the player's development. That's just using him as a. I mean, because after after this season for Las Palmas, he is simply just a piece of business uh, and a dollar amount, depending on how high he can fly. And so this season, obviously, they want him to do as well as he can as a teenager. So I would expect Las Palmas, he also seems to be one of their best players early on in the season. Uh, he has the most expected goals, and he's helping them in those categories statistically. So obviously, they're playing him because he's one of their best at the moment, but they're also, again, hoping he develops, uh, and they're hoping that that career winds up uh, being a lot in their pocket later down the road. But whether it's Las Palmas, again, it's Barcelona's it just terrifies me to loan things with Barcelona where I would love to see some other young players maybe in the world come through. But in the same way that uh, you look at the loans that are currently happening, Oral Busquets, is his, is his loan so far to Twente in, in the Air Divisi, is that one that's working out? Uh, Juan Miranda is having trouble at Schalke. And that's a whole thing, right? So that it, when guys go on loans for Barcelona, uh, for Barcelona, it doesn't necessarily or very rarely does it even work out. And it seems that I've almost lost faith in that program. And I'd like to see a few success stories other than Marco Correa, who actually has been a success story, but has he been so good on loan that Barcelona never wants him back in the club? So I don't know. I, Mike, I think it's time to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk transfer rumors. So we're going to pivot now. Let's take a break. Ready for the coziest Christmas ever? Get to Old Navy for up to 60% off everything. That's right. The entire store is on sale, including mix and match, jingle jammies, and festive prints for the whole family from 8 bucks, and adult sweaters from 12 bucks. But hurry, like the holidays, this deal won't last. Get up to 60% off the entire store today at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1211 to 1217 excludes clearance, gift cards today only, two-day only deals, register lane items, jewelry, gift of the week, and Zip Zap stuff gifting bins. Okay, so it was the international break, so obviously papers had to be sold. And the two non-Namar names that got my attention and got the attention were Fabian Ruiz of Napoli and Daniel Moulin from PSV and formerly of Arsenal. And, Mike, I just want to get your first impressions of what you've seen of Fabian Ruiz. He was at Real Batiste, now he's with uh, at Napoli with Carlos uh, Ancelotti. And then I d- I'm wondering, if you haven't seen Malin, that's okay, uh, but he just broke into the Dutch national team, and I'll-, I'll explain some of his statistics and what I've seen from him. But what are your early impressions of these two players? Well, first of all, Fabian Ruiz is a very, very well-known name in Europe at this point, and we were all surprised to see him on that Spain U21 squad last summer because he's been a staple uh, in Europe for for so long. He's one of those players who actually uh, broke through very early and uh, with Napoli he looks he looks like he looks like a boss in the midfield and he's definitely one of those players that we're gonna see very soon making a comeback with one of the big clubs in Spain. Uh, Napoli obviously is a very ambitious club, and uh, being being a, a key player in a very ambitious club at this point in his career, he's only 23 years old, will certainly uh, bring a lot of attention his way when the when the the next summer transfer window will come around. I'm actually surprised to see that he stuck around with Napoli this summer. I I was I was expecting a big move from him especially after that uh, that U21 World Cup um, European Championship that uh, that he's had. 
And uh, I, you know, if he had the patience or if his club had had the patience to actually let him play one more season in order to continue his development and continue really dominating that that uh, that Napolitan midfield in the Serie A, guy's the limit for him starting next year. Yeah, well, I also thought he even stayed around Real Batiste longer than expected. He was he was for a few seasons there, one or two seasons, he was expected to be moved on um, before Napoli finally bought him. But yeah, that said, about February Weeze, uh, I think we're in agreement that it has something to do with his talent. I, I think he's got a box-to-box feel to him. He can play defensive or farther up the field, and his size helps him make up the space where he doesn't really have natural speed. But uh, just what he has, can, what can he do on the ball? And what we've seen of him at Napoli, one of the things he's added to his game is an ability to get shots on goal where uh, his teammates can either get a rebound or he scored a few goals uh, himself as well. So for me, it's not necessarily is Ruiz good enough, uh, certainly, but the way Barcelona is built, and he would probably be 75 to 80 million, uh, that's what Napoli might ask for him. And if Alenia and Puj can't get a game, Rakitic comes off the bench, is going to be sold in January, uh, and Arturo Vidal is still floating around there. Again, he's a compliment, I think, to Arturo and De Young. He's a different player as them. Uh, but with you know, Busquets is still in the squad. The midfield is too deep. Uh, and so I think I would not even start to think about him and a, a central midfielder that would cost as much as he does until not only some other things are addressed, uh, but until other players wind up finding their, their way out of the club. Now, I think um, Malin from PSV is a totally different story here because he is a 20-year-old that has exploded onto the scene this year at PSV. Now, here's a stat, Mike. 16 goals and 6 assists in 18 matches so far this year. Wow. Now, the goals are boosted a bit by a 5-goal explosion against Vitesse. And for context, he was a regular fixture for PSV last season, but brought in just 11 goals and 5 assists in 42 matches. He has started as a winger in his career when he was a teenager, but now he's a uh, at the ripe old age of 20. Uh, the 5'9 Dutch forward is now a striker, and he's also gotten called up now to the Dutch national team, which they themselves, and I don't want to credit... Uh, a certain Barcelona, Frankie de Jong, for, for pulling them by uh, by their bootstraps and getting them to be a better side. Yeah, the Dutch are clicking at the moment, uh, and Malin is now part of the setup. And so he's a different story where I, I think Barcelona is still, you're still seeing it this season, that it's not that Luis Suarez can't put in bangers and he can't score great goals, but clearly a number nine has to be on the way. And if it's not in the pipeline, because, again, Fadi's a winger, is he eventually a number nine? But he's still, still just 16. And Alba Ruiz, it's still this season not ready and next season will he be ready I'm not sure so that means you have to buy somebody else right and at this moment do you want to buy a 20 year old like Malin and take a take a risk and roll the dice on that and just you know put him back in in a conservative role but in the same regard the best thing for Malin is to play so I mean that's a tough thing right if Barcelona moves for him but if Barcelona doesn't move for him somebody else will right so is would you rather have Malin sit on the bench at Man United or would you rather have him sit on the bench at Barcelona and see what happens there it's that's again where I think it I don't know. It's a different story. The the only the only thing that kind of worries me about Malin is that uh, sure you could be five ten and and play play the number nine position in the Eredivisie, but can you do it in Spain? Can you do it uh, yeah. in the UEFA Champions League? I mean, the modern striker has to be both agile and tall. Um, how is he supposed to? How how will he be supposed to get um, to get crosses? If uh, if you know he's being uh, outsized by by all the center backs that are, that will be covering him in La Liga, that's that, that's the only thing that kind of is kind of making me second guess his ability to 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 adapt 
in Barcelona. But apart from that, obviously his stats are impressive. And he did score a goal against Germany in Germany in the UEFA 2020 yeah. Euro qualifying, which is a, a, a great feat in and of itself. Yeah, right. And that in therein lies the, the argument that in the Eredivisie, you know, a lot of his goals come, you know, you watch, I've watched a compilation of every goal he scored so far this season. And uh, obviously I'm not watching the complete buildup and I'm not seeing the full picture of what he's able to do, but uh, most of his finishes came in advantageous positions because PSV were the better team who were commanding the most opportunities. And you're right in the Liga, in the Champions League and all those moments that he might instantly be thrust into in Barcelona, you only get one or two chances. You don't get all these different chances that playing for a PSV or an Ajax might get you in the air to visit. And that is a really good point as well. So Malin, it's, it's his stats say it's not too early, but I think we all know it's too early. And in the same regard, uh, it, there's a, there comes a moment where in today's transfer world, if PSV is asking 60 for a 20-year-old Barcelona, who's only done it now this season for, what, for two months, Barcelona can't say yes to that. I, th- I don't think anybody should. But then again, you have the talent that Barcelona has. As I said, there are other clubs in the world with deep pockets that I think will move for a player like this and pay that 60 because they don't even have a Luis Suarez and they don't have an Ansu Fati. They don't have an Antoine Griezmann and a Lino Messi. So they need those goals and they need to figure out something in a hurry. And something I would love everybody to be in a hurry to do tomorrow is to watch the YouTube video for this week, which I'm going to do something unusual and it is different topic than what we're talking about on the show. So I just want to give a little teaser about the YouTube video this week. Uh, we did already mention the NBA on the show, and as longtime listeners and short-time listeners know, I try to bring up uh, another sport that I love dearly in basketball pretty much every show. Uh, and so in honor of the NBA regular season getting started next week and the Spanish League and Euro League seasons uh, in basketball already having begun, uh, I did rank the top players who played for both FC Barcelona Lassa and in the NBA. And unsurprisingly, Mike, uh, I cannot, it's a ranking, so I don't want to give away who's on the list and too many of those players. Uh, but Marcus from, now we did talk about, it, I'm going to spoil it, uh, from, I wanted to say your Toronto Raptors, but you shot me down before we start this show. It is not your Toronto Raptors, even though it is Spain's own, but Canada's adopted son, Marcus and NBA champion Marcus who is somewhere on that list. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, if I'm not mistaken, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Marc Gasol and Paul Gasol are both are the only brothers in the history of the NBA, foreign brothers in the history of the NBA to win the NBA championship, if I'm not mistaken. And it's it's a pretty impressive feat in of itself. And sure, uh, like you said, I'm not a Toronto Raptors fan. <laughs> it's hard for me to root for a Toronto based team. But I'll say this: uh, he 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 came from FC Barcelona, so he's my boy, and I, I was very happy for him that he actually got to win a championship. Not for the Toronto Raptors, though, but for him, I really was. Yeah, I was actually surprised at the number of players that had played for both uh, FC Barcelona and played in the NBA. Uh, the NBA, uh, FC Barcelona has done quite a lot, and Real Madrid in the same. Uh, you know, I, I I can give out compliments when they're due. And Badalona has done its job. Girona, actually, Marcus was at Girona for a time. Uh, so the Spanish League has been good to the NBA. Let's put it that way. Uh, and to see that total ranking, uh, and I'm also going to have the full list, which is uh, at my count, and it's still a running count. I seem to, every time I'm on Wikipedia, I find a new player that played in both the NBA and for FC Barcelona. But I had to stop the list, that exhausting list, at 60. So to see that whole thing, uh, you have head down in the description of that YouTube video, but also check it out for my ranking of the top 10 players 
players to ever play in the NBA for FC Barcelona. So you can check out that YouTube video. It might already be up by the time that you have this in your ears, but if not, go to the Barcelona podcast, the YouTube channel, like, subscribe, and check that out as well. And thanks so much for tuning in to our show today. It was a little healthier skelter uh, in terms of just the news cycle is different, but we're happy that La Liga is starting again with Barcelona against Ibar this weekend. So you can tap in your app, check out the show notes to subscribe to this show, and you can find us on social media too. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at Hilton D13 for me. On Instagram at the Barcelona Pod, our closed Facebook group is tbpod.link backslash group for deeper dives. We also do the quick take match reviews on Patreon, so we'll get back to those with La Liga starting again. That's tbpod.link backslash Patreon. So check us out everywhere. Like, subscribe, do everything you need to do, and also follow Mike everywhere he needs to be. Mike, quick 10 second. It's a two minute drill. Let's see your uh, your your plug. All right, so you can you can find my opinions on at Mike Miller FC, which is my personal Twitter account at Blaugranapod, le Blaugrana podcast, podcast about FC Barcelona en français pour ceux qui comprennent la langue de Molière, and uh, obviously you could find me every now and then with Dan on the Barcelona pod as well as the closed Facebook group. Sounds great. So thanks so much for everybody for listening to the Barcelona podcast today. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon in Forza Barca. Forza! What if Santa didn't need eight reindeer to guide him through the night? Hey, Mercedes, map me to Kalamazoo. Okay, mapping the fastest route to Michigan. Or what if his sleigh could get real-time weather info? Hey, Mercedes, what's the temperature on the 25th? 22 degrees. Rooftops may be icy. Mercedes-Benz MBUX technology hasn't made it to flying sleighs, but it's available to you on the A-Class, the GLE, or GLC. And you can get them all for an exceptional price during the Mercedes-Benz winter event. MBUX command simulated. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing.